you are tuning in to Growpoint Demodative Podcast, where it's all about relationships. We exist to glorify God by making disciples in the Spirit of God. We hope that this message will bless your heart. Glad to have you here this morning. If you're visiting with us here at uh, Grove Point Dumaguete, I just want to say welcome. I am glad that you're here. I am not the uh, lead pastor of this church, but I am a visitor. My name is Mike Reddick. I'm not a visitor. I'm not a stranger. I'm a visitor. I'm not a stranger, but I'm glad to be back with you here today. I want to share a simple message with you today and trust that God would take His Word and speak to our hearts. Thank you, uh, team, for the worship today. What a lovely last song. What a great psalm that was. Be still and know that I am God. Lift up your hands in absolute surrender. Trust me, because we do serve a God who can be trusted. Isn't that a good thing? We can trust Him because He's trustworthy. We can have faith in Him because He is faithful. We can rely upon God because God is and always will be reliable. And if you know Him as your Savior, you are His child. He is is our Father, and He will, without a doubt, take care of us. I heard the story about a man that was in a hospital and he wasn't very well. In fact, he was almost on death's door. And a friend friend came to visit him and he said to him, to his friend, the sick man, he said, isn't it time for you to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and renounce the devil? The man looked at him and he says, well, I'm willing to turn my life over to Jesus Christ, but I am not willing to renounce the devil. The man was shocked. He said, well, why are you willing to turn your life over to Jesus, but you're not willing to renounce the devil? And the man said this. He said, because a man in my condition, a man as sick as I am, so close to death, has no business making enemies. But what this man failed to realize is that the devil is no man's friend, but he is every man's enemy. That is without a doubt. You see, the devil is every man's enemy. In fact, it is his desire to damn men and women, people who do not know Christ, that they would not spend eternity with Christ. His desire for us who believe is that the devil wants to deceive us. He wants to discourage us. He wants to defeat us, and he wants us to bring us into absolute spiritual defeat. Somebody once said, and this is true, that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Isn't that a good thing? God has a wonderful plan for your life. But it is equally true to say that the devil has a destructive plan for your life. That is true as well. In fact, do you know that the very moment that you placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, that you entered into a battle? And this battle that we find ourselves in as believers is a real battle. It is not a physical battle, but it is a spiritual battle that we battle on a spiritual plane. In fact, Paul speaks of the battle that we find ourselves in in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Listen to what Paul said. For Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In fact, do you realize today that every war, that every shattered life, that every broken home, Every act of suicide, every rape, every act of immorality, every act of physical abuse is but a reminder of the battle that we as people find ourselves in. And you know, we, we fight against three enemies. 
The Bible tells us very clearly that we have the enemy called the world, we have an enemy called the flesh, and we have an enemy called the devil. Now, that world is a system of thought that is designed to drive men and women away from God. The flesh is that part of us that is constantly tempting us to do things that we know God doesn't want us to do. And then the devil is the leader of that unholy trinity. And what the devil does is he takes the world, that system of thought, and there he tempts our flesh, that part of us that is constantly tempting us not to do what God wants us to do, for the purpose of driving us away from God. Every single person who knows Christ battles, and we battle three enemies. But you know that the very moment that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that at that very moment, the world, the flesh, and the devil lost their power over you, and you have been set free. Did you know that? Do you realize because of what Jesus Christ did upon that cross in his death for us and his resurrection from the grave on the third day that the world, the flesh, and the devil lost their power over you, that you have been set free, that we have been brought into victory, and it's the desire of God that we would begin to live within that victory. Listen, if you're a child of God today, Satan, the world, and the flesh, they have lost their power over you. You see, you live in victory. In fact, as Christians, we don't fight for victory. Do you know that? You're not trying to gain victory over sin. You're not trying to gain heaven as a Christian. You're not trying to gain victory. Victory has already been won. So we don't fight for victory. We fight and we serve God from a position of victory. And what the devil doesn't want is the devil doesn't want you and I to enjoy the freedom and the victory that Christ won for us on the cross. So you know what the devil does? He tries to keep us ignorant of himself and his ways. You see, the devil doesn't want us to live in the freedom and the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. So here's what the devil does. The devil wants us to sit, think uh, some incorrect thoughts about him. And so here's what I want us to do this morning. I want to share with you three things that the devil doesn't want you to know. There are some things the devil doesn't want you to know. Why? Because he doesn't want you to live in the victory that Jesus won for you on the cross. So he wants us to keep us ignorant of three things. Okay, are you ready for this? Three simple things. It won't take but a couple hours. I'm just kidding. As your stomach starts to rumble, right? All right, here are three simple things that the devil doesn't want you to know. But I want you to know them, and so does God's Word, because, you see, God wants us to live in the victory that Jesus Christ won for us on the cross. So here's the first thing. The devil doesn't want you to know that he's real. He doesn't want you to know that he is real. In fact, one of the devil's greatest deceptions is to make people think that he does not exist. In fact, to most people today, the devil is nothing more than a cartoon character. He's a mascot that we see at a sports activity wearing a red suit and carrying a pitchfork, right? I mean, that's the idea in the minds of most people. In fact, I read a recent survey some time ago that said this, that 62% of people interviewed, they said, and I quote, they say that Satan is not a living being, that he does not actually exist, but he is simply a symbol of evil. Another survey went on to say that 75% of all people do not believe in the devil as a living entity. 
And I say, maybe that's the reason he is deceiving and damning so many people around our world today, because so few people actually believe that he really exists. But I want you to know something. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't want us to think that he's real, that he's just a symbol of evil or whatever it may be. But the fact is, he is real. It's interesting, and you know this as you read your Bible, you know, the Bible is not ambiguous upon the reality of the devil. We see him in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. What do we see him doing? We see him tempting that first woman by the name of Eve, bringing her and thus all of humanity down into sin. We see the devil in the last book of the Bible called the book of the Revelation. And there we see a different story. He's bound with a chain and he's thrown in that bottomless pit. In fact, did you know that Jesus believed in the reality of the devil? In fact, if you studied this, you would realize that, you know, that 25 times Jesus referred specifically to the devil, 25 times. In fact, 25% of all of our Lord's actions, parables, and miracles had to do with the devil and his demons. You know why? Because, friends, he is real. He really exists. But he doesn't want you to know that. You see, he wants you to think that he is not real. And so maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure that he's real. Well, I, gotta, I got something for you. Just try opposing him. Are you with me? It's been said, if you want to know that the devil's real, then just try opposing him for a while. And here's what's going to happen. You will know that he is a real living being. You see, the very moment you decide that you're going to kick up your spiritual life, the very moment you decide that you want to start growing in your walk in relations with God, the very moment you decide, I'm going to get serious about Jesus Christ. I'm going to start living for God. I'm going to start giving to God. I'm going to start sharing the gospel. You know what you're going to discover? That the devil is real. You know why? Because he can oppose. Because he opposes all spiritual progress. Are you with me? He opposes. Anytime you want to make a spiritual decision, you want to put things right, you want to get right with God, you want to move forward, the devil is going to stand against you, and here's what he's going to do. He's not going to let you know that it's him opposing you. He's going to want you to think that the decision that you are making is a bad decision and go back to where you were. Are you with me? You see, that's how he works. He doesn't want you to know that he's real, but he's real. And when you want to take a step forward, he's going to stand against you, trying to convince you, bad decision, go back to where you were. But friends, that's him. That's him opposing you. I remember several years ago, I guess I shouldn't even say several years ago. It was many years ago now. I think I was probably 25 at the time. So that was, I guess it was a little while ago. It's all perspective, age is a, you know, kind of a perspective thing, I guess. Anyway, it was a while ago. God was calling me to leave my profession and to go into ministry. I was working, as many of you know, I was working, I have a degree in hotel and restaurant management, I was working in hotels throughout the United States, and about 25 years of age, God was getting a hold of my heart. I just felt God wanted me to leave my profession and to go into ministry, and I fought for about six months. I'd get upon my knees, and I would pray, and I could just hear that voice of God saying, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And I wasn't opposed to it, but I just wasn't sure, you know. And so one day I went to see my pastor, and I told him about it. And he kind of, he confirmed with me through some things that, yeah, God is calling you to ministry. And so I there, and it was a Monday afternoon, I made that decision 
that I was going to leave my profession in the hotel business, and I was going to follow God's call into ministry. And that was a Monday. Tuesday, I went back to work. I was working for Hyatt Hotels at the time in San Francisco, California. And I went to my boss, and I told my boss, I'm no longer promotable. I'm going to be resigning, and I am going to go into ministry and become a preacher. Of course, my boss, you know, not being a believer, had no idea what I was talking about. He looked at me, and he thought, are you okay? <laughs> you know, did you have too much to drink last night? <laughs> you know, he thought I had lost my mind. But, you know, it's amazing that within the next two weeks... I was so tempted not to fulfill that decision. The corporate office called me and offered me, you know, a, a, a big job running a big hotel in the city of Chicago and, and on and on. I had all of this temptation not to fulfill that call. And I remember my wife and I sat down and because the temptation was so big. I mean, they, off, even, they actually offered to double my salary in order to stay with this hotel chain. And I remember my wife and I sat down and we thought, well, hey, maybe we should do that, you know. Maybe we should take the money and go to Chicago and maybe we should work for a year where we can save all that extra money and then we could go out to ministry. And we began to have all of these ideas of how we could do that and yet later on we could do what God was calling us to do. But, you know, deep down on the inside, we knew. We knew that that was just the devil tempting us not to do what God was calling us to do. You know why? Because you see, he is real. And the last thing the devil wants you to do is to move forward in your Christian life. You see, when you decide to kick up your spiritual, your spiritual life, the devil is going to do everything possible to keep you from doing that. When you decide you want to get up early in the morning and read the Bible before you go to work, you know what the devil is going to do? He's going to make you more tired than ever every single morning. Why? Because the last thing he wants you to do is to move forward in your Christian life. You see, when you want to start serving God, when you want to take up a ministry in the church, you know what the devil's going to do? He's going to do everything in his power to stop you from doing that. And here's what he does. All of a sudden, you know, you, you and your wife agree, hey, let's start serving God in this ministry. Let's, let's start a small group or let's go out evangelizing. Let's go out sharing the gospel. And you, you and your wife all of a sudden agree, yes, let's do that. You know what happens? The next morning you start arguing. And you're looking at your, and you think, man, you know, and you're arguing like you've never argued before in your life. You know why? Because that's the devil. He is there to oppose you. And he doesn't want you to move forward. He doesn't want you to progress in your Christian life. So he stands against you. Or he brings conflict within the church and in your small group and your spiritual family. You see, because the devil is real. And the last thing he wants is for you to move forward in your walk and relationship with God. That's what he does. And my wife and I, over the years of ministry, we have seen that on and on. In 2009, we started a ministry in Indonesia. We had seven people come to start a, we're evangelizing on the university campuses in Indonesia. We had seven people on our team. All of a sudden, we had one of our seven, we had to dismiss them because of immorality. We had to let a husband and wife go because they started fighting and arguing and they couldn't get things right with them. We had to send them home. We had another guy we had to let go <coughs> because he decided he wanted to kill one of our own team members. And all of a sudden, within a few months, our seven was down to three. But you know what my wife and I realized? We realized that that was a devil, and what he wanted to do was oppose us. He wanted to discourage us that we would give up and we would quit and not evangelize the land of Indonesia. Are you with me? That's how the devil works. 
You see, whenever we want to move forward, the devil is there to oppose us. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to think that this decision you have made is a bad decision. Go back to where you were because it was safer and calmer there. By the way, in Indonesia, that guy who wanted to kill one of our team, team members after we fired him, you know what he did? He went to the government and he said, hey, you know these people in this organization, they're actually subversive Christian evangelists and they're here to evangelize your country. You know, that was true, but he didn't need to tell the government that. Next thing we know, the government's knocking on our door and he, they arrest a bunch of our team members, including my wife. And my wife had to go to court and stand before a judge and a jury. They accused her of immigration fraud and sentenced her with five years jail time. But thank God for a gracious God who delivered my wife. I didn't have to visit her in jail. I couldn't even go to court with her. I said, honey, I can't go to court with you, but if they sentence you to jail, I promise I'll come and visit you once a week. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that, okay? <laughs> but God delivered us. But you know what? Here it is. In our heart, you know what happened to us? We sit back and we say, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Are we where you want us to be? Because sometimes we equate success with blessing or God's will, and that's not necessarily the case. You have to remember there's an enemy who stands against you and your family. An enemy who doesn't want your family to grow, who doesn't want your family to prosper, who doesn't want you to move forward in your walk in relationship with God, who doesn't want your family reached with the gospel. The devil does want you to know he's real, but he is real. Friends, when you make a spiritual decision to move forward, and all of a sudden life is not as good today as it was yesterday, humanly speaking, remember there's an enemy. That doesn't mean you made a bad decision. That doesn't mean go back to where you were. Just press on. The devil doesn't want you to know that he's real, but he's real. Here's the second thing the devil doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to know that his power is limited. You see, if you come to that point where you realize, hey, I believe in a devil. I know he's real. Here's the second thing the devil doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to know that his power is limited and he can be resisted, okay? He wants you to think that he is all powerful and there's nothing that you can do to oppose him. Are you with me? Yes, you know he's real, but you cower in his presence, you know. The devil doesn't want you to know that he's real and doesn't want you to know that his power is limited. You see, he wants you to think that he is equal to God, that he rules from heaven. He can accomplish what God can accomplish, but nothing is farther from the truth. Remember this, the devil is not what God is. God is all-powerful. The devil is not. God is, God is the creator. The devil is not. He's limited. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. The devil doesn't. God can be everywhere present at the same time. I mean, he can be with me here today and with someone else in the heart of China. You see, God is everywhere. The devil is limited. If he's with us today, he can't be somewhere else at the same time. He's limited. He is not what God is. He's the created. God is the creator. But you see, the devil wants us to know that he, or he wants us to think that he is what God is, and we cannot oppose him. But that's not true. In fact, the Bible reminds us that when Jesus Christ went to Calvary, that do you realize that on the cross that he defeated Satan? Did you know that? Listen to this verse. This is a great verse. It's found in 1 John 3 and verse 8. John says, for this purpose, 
That's a great phrase. For this purpose. This is a reason why Jesus Christ came. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. That's Christ, the Son of God coming and taking the form of man. He came on this purpose. That he, that is Jesus, might destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed them. He defeated Satan upon that cross on your behalf. He took from Satan the power that he once had in your life. You realize today as a child of God, Satan has no power. He has no authority in your life. His works have been destroyed. In fact, not only to destroy the works of Satan on the cross, do you realize that when Jesus died, he disarmed the devil as well? Colossians tells us, in Colossians 2 and verse 15, and having spoiled, that's the word disarmed, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In other words, when Jesus died upon that cross, he, he robbed Satan. He took from Satan all of his weapons. He disarmed him. Satan was a king, and he had a vast army of demons. And before we were a child of God, he ruled and reigned in the lives of the unsaved man. But you see, when Jesus died and we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Satan was robbed of his power and his demons were robbed of their influence in your life. And this is what that means. It means right now, if you're a child of God, if there has been that moment of time in your life where you realized that God loves you and that Jesus Christ came and died for your sin and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, do you realize at that very moment all that Jesus did for you on the cross has become yours. Salvation has become yours, and victory has become yours. Satan was robbed of his power, and you are set free from the power of sin. It means right now that Satan has no power, and he has no authority in your life. It means that Satan cannot come and twist your arm and tempt you or cause you to do what you don't want to do. Are you with me? Nobody can say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Why? He lost his power in your life. You see, all the devil can do is knock at the door of your heart and tempt you to sin. And remember this, temptation is not sin. Are you with me? Anybody get tempted? Let me ask you this way. Are you human? <laughs> Does your blood run red? Okay. If your blood runs red and you're human, okay, and you beat me shy to raise your hand, I wasn't asking you anyway. But hey, listen, we all get tempted. Remember this temptation is not sin. What's temptation? Temptation, okay. It's a temptation to what? To sin. You see, temptation is like someone knocking at the door of your heart, tempting you to do what you don't want to do. What's sin? Sin is opening that door and embracing that temptation, that sin. So don't get those confused. A lot of people feel guilty because of temptation. Uh, if you're being tempted, can I tell you something? You're normal, okay? You're human because that's, I mean, we all have feet of clay. I mean, we all have the flesh. The world's around us. We can't live in a box, you can even become a monk if you want to, but you can't flee temptation. You can go hide in a cave, but you still can't flee temptation, all right? So temptation is not sin. But you see, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, the devil has been defeated, and the power of sin has been broken. And all the devil can do is knock upon the door of your heart. He cannot open that door and force himself on you. Why? He has been disarmed. He has lost his power in your life. Not because of what you've done, 
but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you know what we call that? We call that a hallelujah moment. Are you with me? That's a hallelujah moment. It is. I mean, that's a great thing. That's the goodness of our God. That's what we call grace. That's why the gospel is good news. You've been set free. You got it. Hey, can I take this thought a step farther? Not a rhetorical question. Can I do that? Here it is. Did you know that the devil can only do in your life what God permits him to do? Did you catch that? The devil cannot do anything that he wants in your life. You are protected by your heavenly father, and the father, our heavenly father, will never let you be tempted beyond your ability to say no. That's another hallelujah moment. But let me explain what I mean. There's a great story. Remember the the, uh, passage in Job, Job chapter 1. Remember Job? Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Why it's not first is only simply because he doesn't explain origins, okay? But it's the oldest book in the Bible. And in Job chapter 1, we, we read a story. It's one of those rare moments in the Bible where we get a behind-the-scenes look at what happens in the spiritual realm. And here's what the Bible reveals to us. That one day, Satan approached God, and he asked God, he said, God, I desire to tempt your servant Job. And what God did is God gave the devil permission to tempt Job, but he put special restrictions around Satan that he couldn't tempt him in every area of his life. And we read that in Job 1 and verse 12. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Satan, after Satan came and said, Lord, I desire to tempt your servant Job. Here's what we read, verse 12, chapter 1, Job. The Lord said, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Do you know what God was saying to Satan? Satan, you can do this, but you can't do that. You can tempt him here, but you cannot tempt him there. You know why? Because God knows us. God knows you. See, God knows what you can take. God knows your breaking point. And God will not allow you to be attacked beyond your ability to say no. That's why sin is so sinful. Because, you see, when we are tempted and we embrace sin, it's not because we couldn't resist it. It's because we chose not to resist it. Because God will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to say no. Are you with me? God's not going to push you beyond your breaking point. There's a limit. And God does not allow the devil to go beyond his limit in your life. Hallelujah moment. Are you with me? It's good news. See, God doesn't do that. You see, before the devil can lay a finger on on a child of God, he must seek the permission of our very protective heavenly father, all right? Satan cannot always have his way in your life. Let me tell you one more biblical illustration of this. Remember Peter? Remember Jesus reminded Peter of this heavenly protection when he said to Peter, In Luke 22 and verse 31, he said, Simon, he said, Simon, indeed, Satan had asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, Satan came to God and said, God, I want to destroy Peter's faith. I want to sift him as wheat. You see, the devil wanted to discourage Peter. Peter, remember, Peter turned his back on God. The the rooster crowed and 
The Bible says he denied Jesus three times, and he left the presence of Jesus, went back to his old profession of fishing. I mean, probably very discouraged. And Satan at that point came to God and said, God, I want to destroy his faith. And here's what Jesus said. Next verse. Luke 22, verse 32. Verse 31, he said, Satan has asked for you. He wants to destroy your faith, Peter. But, but Peter, I have prayed for you. And your faith will not fail. You see, God is not going to allow us to go beyond our ability to say no. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. You see, he wants you to think, if you believe he's real today, he wants you to think that he's all-powerful and there's nothing that you can do to say no, that you can't stand against his temptation, that you need to give in, that he needs to be your master, you need to go his way. But God says, no, that is not true. Listen, he's real, yes, but his power is limited in your life. He will not push you beyond your ability to say no. Here's a third thought. He doesn't want you to know then he can be resisted. He doesn't want you to know that he can be resisted. You know, it's interesting in the Bible, nowhere are we told to flee from the devil, right? Nowhere does the Bible say flee from the devil. It says we're to flee temptation, all right? That means don't embrace it. But you see, the Bible tells us that he's to flee from us. In fact, James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He says, understand who you are in Christ, that, that Satan's been robbed of his power. He's limited. He cannot push you beyond your ability to say no. And he says, now stand your ground and resist him, and he will flee from you. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. He can be resisted. You don't have to give in. You can live in victory. You can enjoy the freedom that Jesus won for you on the cross by resisting him. So here's a question, and this takes us to our sermon today. All right, three simple points. How then can we resist him? And as everybody right now looks at their watch and they're saying, you've got to be kidding me. Just remember this. We started the service late and the worship team went a long time. Okay, so three, I'm just teasing you, okay? Here it is, three simple thoughts, all right? I just want to remind you this because I'm certain everybody knows this. How then can we resist him? He is real. His power is limited. Therefore, he can be resisted. The question is, how? Well, number one, we resist the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God in his goodness did this. The very moment you asked Jesus to be your Savior, you were forgiven of sin's penalty, and you were freed from sin's power, thus to enabling you now to live daily free from sin's power, what did God do? God gave you the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God lives within you to do what? To enable you to be the person God wants you to be, so you might then do the very things that God wants you to do. That's why the Spirit of God lives within you. That's the genius of God. God doesn't free us from sin and say, okay, buddy, go out and try and do your best. God didn't say that. God said, hey, listen, I freed you from sin. Now I'm going to give you my spirit. So choose to depend upon him. And as you depend upon him, he will enable you to say no to sin and to keep that door of sin closed in your life. You see, when the devil comes knocking upon the door of your life, tempting you to sin, then what do you do? You stand your ground. And the power of the Holy Spirit, you say, your holiness, Lord. 
Spirit of God, give me power to say no to this temptation. And you know what the Spirit of God does? He'll give you power to say no to that temptation. You know what we don't do? We don't ask for His power, and therefore we don't receive the power. When sin comes knocking upon the door of your life, when you feel a little discouraged, you know, the wave of discouragement sweeps over you. Who has not been discouraged? Friends, we've all been discouraged, but when discouragement comes, what do you do? And the power of the Spirit of God say, Lord, I'm feeling a little bit discouraged, but I know that your Holy Spirit is a comforter. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you comfort me and encourage me right now? All right, and what does the Spirit of God do? He does what He does. He encourages your life because that's what He does. He enables you to do what God has asked us to do in the Word of God. See, God didn't give us a Bible and say, do it. The Bible is not a Nike slogan, right? Just do it. Did you know that? Christianity isn't just do it. Did you know that? It's not just do it. Because if we just had to do it, we would all quit. And that's why some people get tired. That's why some people get discouraged because they're just trying to do it. And I get it because that's the way life is. If we don't do it, it doesn't happen. But that's not the way God is. That's not the way we work in our spiritual life. God's given you the Spirit of God. As you depend upon Him, He enables you to do it. Did you catch the difference? He enables you to do it. The Christian life is a divine cooperation. You're cooperating with a living God who lives within you. So ask Him and enable Him. So the next time Satan comes knocking upon the door of your life, he wants to tempt you to sin. He wants to discourage you. He wants to cause you to doubt God, doubt His Word. Call upon that indwelling Holy Spirit to do for you what only He can do. Enabling you to say no to sin. To remove those thoughts of doubt and discouragement. Because you see, we can resist the devil and we resist him by the power of the Spirit of God. Hey, here's a verse. I just want to give you this verse. Isaiah 59 and verse 19. It's a great verse. When the Holy Spirit, when the devil comes in or the enemy comes in like a flood. When the enemy comes into your life like a flood. When all of a sudden you're, you're tempted. Whether it be through disobedience, discouragement, doubt, deception. When the enemy comes knocking upon the door of your life, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Do you catch the picture? When the enemy comes knocking upon the door of your life, depend upon the Spirit of God, and he'll lift a shield between you and that temptation, enabling you to carry on in victory and not in defeat. So we resist him through the power of the Holy Spirit. We resist him through the power of the Word of God. Now, we understand this. The Bible tells us, in Ephesians 6 and verse 17, that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword which the Spirit uses is the Word of God. It is interesting that Jesus, every time He was confronted by the devil, used the Word. Remember when He was in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4? The devil came and tempted Him, and every temptation, what did Jesus do? The Bible says, it is written, and then He quoted a verse three times. It is written, and He quoted the verse. It is written, and He quoted the verse. He defeated the devil through the power of the word written on his own heart. And I think one of the reasons so many of God's people are defeated on a regular basis is because we are not, I'll just say it this way. I know it's not a nice word, but I'll just say it. I think so many times because we are ignorant of the word. We don't really know it enough to use it against the devil, okay? It's like that story I heard one day. A 
pastor told a joke. And he asked the question, who uh, were the wives of the apostles? And a person raised their hand. They said, well, pastor, the epistles are the wives of the apostles. And of course, everybody laughed, you know, because it was a joke. And if you don't know, that's not a joke. Figure it out later. Well, at the, at the end of the service, as everybody was leaving, a lady came up to him and she was confused. She says, Pastor, I'm confused. If the epistles were not the wives of the apostles, then whose wives were they? That was a joke that didn't go over. But here's what it does. It proves <laughs> that so many people are ignorant of the word, and that's why we are so easily deceived. That's why we cave in. Satan knows if he can keep us ignorant of the Word of God, then he can defeat us. It was ignorance that brought Eve down in the garden, isn't it? And it was knowledge of the Word of God that brought Jesus into victory in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness. And so if we are going to stand against the devil in his temptation as he knocks upon the door of our life, we're going to stand our ground and resist him so he flees from us. Friends, we must be reading, we must be studying, we must be memorizing, we must put the Word of God on our hearts. Reminds me of a little boy one night who got saved at a gospel meeting. And he came home, and the evangelist gave him a, a verse to memorize. It was 1 John 5 and verse 12, which reads, He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. So the boy was excited about his salvation. He went into his room, and he was saying to himself, I have life. I have life. He says, I have life because I have received his Son. And all of a sudden, he heard this voice coming from what he thought was under his bed. And the voice says, no, you don't. And he began to argue, yes, I do. And the voice says, no, you don't. He says, yes, I have life. And the voice says, no, you don't. So he got out of bed, turned his light on, grabbed his Bible, opened it, his Bible up to 1 John 5 and verse 12, and he read the verse. He who has a son has life, and he who does not have the son does not have life. And the, ver the voice under the bed said, no, you don't. And the little boy took the Bible, put it under the bed, and said, there, devil, read it for yourself. But that's a simple illustration to remind us that the devil flees when we stand against him using the word of God. You see, friends, when the devil comes knocking upon the door of your heart and he wants to cause you to sin, you remind him that, no, listen, this is an illegitimate attempt, devil, that you are making to take me, a child of God, who's been delivered from sin, into sin. And know what the devil does? He flees. You're reminding him of who you are. You are dead to sin. All of your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. Hey, sometimes we are overcome by guilt of past sin. Are you with me? Anybody suffer from guilt at times? All right, please don't raise your hand. All right, but we do. And all of a sudden, when the devil comes in and he begins to resurrect your past, and he begins to point out things that you have done that you're not really proud of today, and all of a sudden, you begin to get discouraged. What do you do? You stand against him. And you remind him with the word, the word of God, of who you are. You say, no, devil, I have been forgiven of all of my sin, past, present, and future by the blood of Jesus Christ, 1 John 1 and verse 7. And you know what happens? The temptation's gone. Why? Because truth prevails. When you feel you cannot do what God is asking you to do, you can't do this job, you can't do this work, you can't fulfill this ministry or, or carry on this obligation, and the devil comes to discourage you. and begins to batter your mind. You're nobody. You're a loser. You can't do it. You should bail out. You should back out. You can't do it. You don't have the ability. You remind him. 
Philippians 4 and verse 13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what's going to happen? You're going to find the strength to do what God's asking you to do, and the devil is going to flee. See, we have to use the word. That's why we write it upon our hearts. You're in a battle. It's a real battle. You have an enemy who's sending against you and your family and your forward progress. But we have all that we need to live the life he's asked us to live. And we have to resist him. How? We resist him by depending upon the Spirit of God. By depending upon the power of the Word of God. And lastly is this. We resist him to the power of prayer. We resist him for the power of prayer. You know our enemy is a spiritual enemy, is it not? It's the devil. Spiritual enemy. So how do we defeat a spiritual enemy? Well, we need a spiritual weapon. You don't defeat the devil by your wisdom, by your intellect, by your charisma, by your good looks. You defeat the devil through a spiritual power, and that power is the power of prayer. In fact, that is why the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, the Bible says, Paul says, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He says, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, the primary weapon in the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in is the weapon of prayer. You see, the devil doesn't care about how active you are in Christian service. He doesn't really care about how much gospel tracts you, you pass out or, or how many activities we may have in this auditorium. You see, because the devil knows that without prayer, all the machinery of the church is useless because it will lack the power of God. A great Methodist preacher once put it this way. His name was Samuel Chadwick, and here's what he said, I quote, he said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He says, the devil fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. In fact, Jesus reminded us that of this, and with this I, I will finish. Jesus reminded us that prayer has a direct impact on the devil and his demons. Remember that they were trying to cast out a demon, they couldn't do it. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why not? Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we find victory? And here's what he said. Jesus said, this kind, this kind of demon can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting, Mark 9 and verse 29, reminding us that the power of Satan falls when the prayers of saints prevail. So maybe you're here this morning and Satan has been knocking upon the door of your life. Maybe you've been tempted to do things God doesn't want you to do and you know it. Maybe Satan's knocking upon the door of your life and he's, he's discouraging you. Maybe he's bringing into your life waves of doubt. Maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you feel as if your life is going nowhere fast. The devil is bringing you slowly down. Here's what God wants you to know. God wants you to know that your enemy is real, so don't go back. Don't go back. Maybe you've made a spiritual decision and you're moving forward, but all of a sudden life is a little harder today than it was yesterday and you're tempted to go back to where it was. Remember, you have an enemy and God says, don't go back. Do what? Well, remember that you have an enemy and he's real, but his power's limited. So stand and resist him. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit who lives within you to enable you, because that's why He's there. Go into the Scripture and 
and find some key verses to help you in your struggle. Memorize those verses. Hold on to them. When he begins to tempt you, you can't do it. You say, I can. Because four, Philippians 4.13 says, I can, I can, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can. You can do what God asks you to do. Grab that verse. Hold on to that verse and others. Bring that temptation to God in prayer. And here's what you're going to discover. When you resist, He will flee from you. And you'll begin to live in the victory that Jesus Christ won for you on the cross. But those are some things that the devil doesn't want you to know. But now you know. So let's resist him. And let's move on in victory for his glory. Let's bow for prayer. Shall we, Lord, we just want to say thank you for what you did for us on Calvary's cross. Lord, thank you that on that cross, you not just died for our sins to free us from our sin, but Lord, you died that we might live in all the victory that you won for us. Thank you that the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, although our enemies, they cannot tempt us beyond our ability to say no. Lord, thank you that we can resist. And Lord, I want to pray today. Maybe there are some here in this auditorium that are struggling. The devil's been knocking upon the door of their heart. They are being bombarded right now. And they are tempted to turn and move back. Lord, help them to stand and help them to resist that they might move forward for your glory. So take your word this morning. Speak to the hearts of your people. Enable us. Use us for your glory. Meet our needs. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.